Section 32 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in June 2021. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 7, by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd. Council of Constance, A.D. 1414, Richard Lodge. During the forty years of the Second Great Schism in the Roman Catholic Church, 1378 through 1417, different parties adhered to different popes, of whom there were sometimes two or more simultaneously in office. The French cardinals preferred Avignon, to which the whole see had been removed in 1309, as the seat of the Pope, the Italian cardinals preferred Rome, and two lines of popes were consequently chosen. This division proved extremely injurious to the papal power and authority. Meanwhile, there were various efforts for reform in the Church, among the most notable movements being those led by John Wycliffe in England and John Huss on the continent. At last, a council was called to decide who was the rightful claimant to the papal throne. The council assembled at Pisa, Italy, in 1409, but recognized neither of the then rival popes, Gregory Twelfth and Benedict Thirteenth, Alexander V being elected in their stead. The deposed popes, however, would not give up their rule, and so the action of the council added to the difficulty, since there were now three popes instead of two. Alexander V died ten months after his election, and the cardinals chose as his successor Cardinal Cosa, who took the name of John XXIII. The church remained as much divided as before. In 1412, Pope John, who was a shrewd and politic man, opened at Rome a council for the reformation of the church, but there seems to have been little serious purpose either on the part of John himself or of the ecclesiastics who assembled, and practically nothing was done. John was more concerned about his political relations with various sovereigns. He was at war with Ladislaus, king of Naples, who soon drove him from Rome. John fled to Florence and appealed to Sigismund, emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, for assistance. But the emperor would aid him only on condition that the pope should summon a new council to some German city in order to end the schism. At last, John issued a formal summons for the council to meet at Constance on November 1st, 1414. Before it assembled, Ladislaus died, and Sigismund determined to conduct the council in the interest of his imperial dignity and that of the German kingship, which he also held. The council of Constance, like that of Pisa, had two very obvious questions to consider. One, the restoration of unity, and two, if the reforming party could have its way, the reform of the church in its head and members but circumstances forced the council to consider a third question which had never been even touched in the discussions at pisa this was reformation in its widest sense not merely a constitutional change in the relations of pope and hierarchy but a vital change in dogma and ritual 
this question was brought to the front by the so-called hussite movement in bohemia the fundamental issues involved were those which have been at the bottom of most subsequent disputes in the christian church how far was the christianity of the day unlike the christianity to be found in the record of christ and his apostles and the difference if any was it a real and necessary difference consequent on the development of society or was it the result of abuses and innovations introduced by fallible men the orthodox took their stand upon the unity and authority of the church the church was the true foundation of christ and the inheritor of his spirit therefore what the church believed and taught that alone was the true christian doctrine and the forms and ceremonies of the church were the necessary aids to faith the reformers on the other hand looked to scripture for the fundamental rules of life and conduct any deviation from these rules no matter on what authority must be superfluous and might very probably be harmful the council of constance is one of the most notable assemblies in the history of the world in the number and fame of its members in the importance of its objects and above all in the dramatic interest of its records it has few rivals it is like the meeting of two worlds the old and the new the medieval and the modern we find there represented views which have hardly yet been fully accepted which have occupied the best minds of succeeding centuries at the same time the council itself and its ceremonial carry us back to the times of the roman empire when church and state were scarcely yet dual and when christianity was coextensive with one united empire at constance all the ideas religious and political of the middle ages seemed to be put upon their trial if that trial had ended in condemnation there could be no fitter point to mark the division between medieval and modern history but the verdict was acquittal or at least a partial acquittal and the old system was allowed under modified conditions a lease of life for another century it must not be forgotten that there were great secular as well as ecclesiastical interests involved in the council princes and nobles were present as well as cardinals and prelates the council may be regarded not only as a great assembly of the church but also as a great diet of the medieval empire the man who had done more than any one to procure the summons of the council and whose interests were most closely bound up in its success was sigismund king of the romans and potential emperor he was eager to terminate the schism and to bring about such a reform in the church as would prevent the recurrence of similar scandals but his motive in this was not merely disinterested devotion to the interests of the church he wished to revive the prestige of the holy roman empire and to gratify his own personal vanity by posing as the secular head of christendom and the arbiter of its disputes more especially he wished to restore the authority of the monarchy in germany and to put an end to that anarchic independence of the princes of which the recent schism was both the illustration and the result in pursuing this aim he was confronted by the champions of liberty and princely interests who were represented at constance by the archbishop of mainz and frederick of Habsburg, count of tyrol 
the archbishop john of nassau had been prominent in effecting and prolonging the schism in the empire he was a firm supporter of john the twenty third and had no interest in attending the council except to thwart the designs of the king whom he had been the last to accept frederick of tyrol was the youngest son of that duke leopold who had fallen at Simpac in the war with the swiss of his father's possessions frederick had inherited tyrol and the swabian lands and the propinquity of his territories made him a powerful personage at constance his family was the chief rival of the house of luxembourg for ascendancy in eastern germany and he himself seems to have cherished a personal grudge against sigismund to these enemies sigismund could oppose two loyal allies the elector palatine lewis who had completely abandoned the anti-luxembourg policy pursued by his father rupert and frederick of hohenzollern the most prominent representative of national sentiment in germany who had already given in brandenburg an example of that restoration of order which he wished sigismund to effect throughout his dominions of the clerical members of the council the most prominent at the commencement was the pope john twenty third he had been forced by his difficulties in italy to issue the summons but as the time for the meeting approached he felt more and more misgiving his object was to maintain himself in office but he was conscious that neither sigismund nor the cardinals would hesitate to throw him over if he stood in the way of the restoration of unity he therefore allied himself with sigismund's opponents the elector of mainz and frederick of tyrol and spared no pains to bring about dissension between sigismund and the council the assembled clergy may be divided roughly into two parties the reformers and the conservative or ultramontane party the reformers were not in favor of any radical change in the church they were if anything more vehemently opposed than their antagonists to the doctrines of wycliffe and huss such reform as they desired was aristocratic rather than democratic they had no intention of weakening the authority of the church but within the church they desired to remove gross abuses and to strengthen the hierarchy as against the papacy their chief contention was that a general council has supreme authority even over the pope and they wished such councils to meet at regular intervals by this means papal absolution would be limited by a sort of oligarchical parliament within the church the conservatives on the other hand consisting chiefly of the cardinals and italian prelates had no wish to alter a system under which they enjoyed material advantages their object as it had been at pisa was to restore the union of the church but to defeat or at any rate postpone any schemes of reform the council was opened on november the fifth but the meeting was only formal and no real business was transacted for a month meanwhile huss had been followed to constance by the representatives of the orthodox party in bohemia who brought a formidable list of charges against the reformer john the twenty third at once saw in this an opportunity for embroiling the council with sigismund adroitly keeping himself in the background he allowed the cardinals to take the lead in the matter 
they summoned huss to appear before them and in spite of his protest that he was only answerable to the whole council they committed him to prison the news that his safe conduct had been so insultingly disregarded reached sigismund as he was starting for constance after the coronation ceremony at aachen he arrived on christmas day and at once demanded that huss should be released the pope excused himself and threw the blame on the cardinals to the king's right to protect his subject the cardinals opposed their duty to suppress heresy in high dungeon sigismund declared that he would leave the council to its fate and actually set out on his return journey the pope was jubilant at the success of his wiles but sigismund's friends and especially frederick of hohenzollern urged him not to sacrifice the interests of germany and of christendom for the sake of a heretic this advice and the feeling that his personal reputation was staked on the success of the council triumphed sigismund returned to constance and huss remained a prisoner from this moment john the twenty third began to despair the pope's position became worse when the council copying the procedure of the universities began to discuss matters not in a general assembly but each nation separately this deprived john of the advantage which he hoped to gain from the numerical majority of italian prelates attending the council four nations organized themselves italians french germans and english over the last three john the twenty-third had no hold whatever to his disgust they treated him not as the legitimate pope whose authority was to be vindicated against his rivals but as one of three schismatic popes whose retirement was a necessary condition of the restoration of unity when he tried to evade their demand they brought unanswerable charges against his personal character and threatened to depose him he tried to disarm hostility by declaring his readiness to resign if the other popes would do the same his promise was welcomed with enthusiasm but neither sigismund nor his supporters were softened by it in spite of the vehement protests of the elector of mainz that he would obey no pope but john the twenty third the proposal was made to proceed to a new election john had to fall back upon his last expedient if he departed from constance he might throw the council into fatal confusion at the worst he could maintain himself as the antipope as gregory and benedict had done against the council of pisa his ally frederick of tyrol was prepared to assist him frederick arranged a tournament outside the walls and while this absorbed public interest the pope escaped from constance in the disguise of a groom and made his way to schaffhausen a strong castle of the habsburg court for the moment john the twenty third seemed not unlikely to gain his end constance was thrown into confusion by the news of his flight the mob rushed to pillage the papal residence the italian and austrian prelates prepared to leave the city and the council was on the verge of dissolution. but sigismund's zeal and energy succeeded in averting such a disaster he restored order to the city persuaded the prelates to remain and took prompt measures to punish his rebellious vassal an armed force under frederick of hohenzollern succeeded in capturing not only john the twenty third but also frederick of tyrol the latter was compelled to undergo public humiliation and to hand over his territories to the suzerain on condition that his life should be spared 
no such exercise of imperial power had been witnessed in germany since the days of the hohenstaufen and sigismund chose this auspicious moment to secure a powerful supporter within the electoral college by handing over the electorate of brandenburg to frederick of nuremberg april thirtieth fourteen fifteen he thus established a dynasty which was destined to play a great part in german history and ultimately to create a new german empire the unsuccessful flight of john the twenty third not only enabled sigismund to assume a more authoritative position in the council and in germany it also sealed his own fate the council had no longer any hesitation in proceeding to the formal deposition of the pope may twenty ninth fourteen fifteen as the two popes who had been deposed at pisa had never been recognized at constance the church was now without a head but instead of hastening to fill the vacancy the council turned aside to the suppression of heresy and the trial of huss on three occasions the fifth seventh and eighth of june huss was heard before a general session no point in his teaching excited greater animadversion than his contention that a priest whether pope or prelate forfeited his office by the commission of mortal sin with great cunning his accusers drew him on to extend this doctrine to temporal princes this was enough to complete the alienation of sigismund and after the third day's trial he was the first to pronounce in favor of condemnation the last obstacle in the way of the prosecution was thus removed and huss was burned in a meadow outside the city walls on july sixth fourteen fifteen with the death of huss ends the first and most eventful period of the council of constance within these seven or eight months sigismund and the reforming party thanks to the division of the council into nations seemed to have gained a signal success sigismund had purchased his triumph by breaking his pledge to huss and for this he was to pay a heavy penalty in the subsequent disturbances in bohemia but for the moment these were not foreseen and sigismund was jubilantly eager to prosecute his scheme warned by the experience of its predecessor at pisa the council of constance was careful not to put too much trust in paper decrees john the twenty third was not only deposed but a prisoner gregory the twelfth had given a conditional promise of resignation and had so few supporters as to be of slight importance but benedict the thirteenth was still strong in the allegiance of the spanish kingdoms and unless they could be detached from his cause there was little prospect of ending the schism this task sigismund volunteered to undertake and he also proposed to avert the impending war between england and france to reconcile the burgundian and armagnac parties in the latter country and to negotiate peace between the king of poland and the teutonic knights it would indeed be a revival of the imperial idea if its representative could thus act as a general mediator in european quarrels the council welcomed the offer with enthusiasm and showed their loyalty to sigismund by deciding to postpone all important questions till his return and this decision was actually adhered to during the sixteen months of sigismund's absence july fifteenth fourteen fifteen to january twenty seventh fourteen seventeen only two prominent subjects were considered by the council 
one was the trial of jerome of prague which was a mere corollary of that of huss and ended in a similar sentence the other was the thorny question raised by the proposed condemnation of the writings of jean petit a burgundian partisan who had defended the murder of the duke of orleans the leader of the attack upon jean petit was gerson the learned and eloquent chancellor of the university of paris but so completely had the matter become a party question and so great was the influence of the duke of burgundy that the council could not be induced to go further than a general condemnation of the doctrine of lawful tyrannicide and gerson's activity in the matter provoked such ill-will that after the close of the council he could not venture to return to france which was then completely under burgundian and english domination it is impossible to narrate here the story of sigismund's journey though it abounds with illustrations of his impulsive character and of the attitude of the western states toward the imperial pretensions it furnished conclusive proofs if any were needed that however the council for its own ends might welcome the authority of a secular head national sentiment was far too strongly developed to give any chance of success to a projected revival of the medieval empire as regards his immediate object sigismund was able to achieve some results he failed to induce benedict thirteenth to abdicate but the quibbles of the veteran intriguer exhausted the patience of his supporters and at a conference at narbonne the spanish kings agreed to desert him and to adhere to the council of constance december fourteen fifteen but sigismund's more ambitious schemes came to nothing so far from preventing a war between england and france he only forwarded an alliance between henry v and the duke of burgundy and though he may have done this in the hope of forcing peace upon france the result was to make the war more disastrous and prolonged when sigismund reappeared in constance january twenty seventh fourteen seventeen he found that the state of affairs both in germany and in the council had altered for the worse frederick of tyrol had returned to his dominions and had been welcomed by his subjects the archbishop of mainz had renewed his intrigues and an attempt had even been made to release john the twenty third with the elector palatine formerly his loyal supporter sigismund had quarrelled on money matters and it seemed possible that the four rhenish electors would form a league against sigismund as they had done against Wenceslas in fourteen hundred still more galling was his loss of influence in the council the adhesion of the spanish kingdoms had been followed by the arrival of spanish prelates who formed a fifth nation and strengthened the party opposed to reform the war between england and france had created a quarrel between the two nations at constance and the french deserted the cause they had once championed rather than vote with their enemies sigismund could only rely on the english and the germans and the question which agitated the council was one of vital importance which was to come first the election of a new pope or the adoption of a scheme of ecclesiastical reform the conservatives contended that the church could hardly be said to exist without its head that no reform would be valid until the normal constitution of the church was restored on the other hand it was urged that no reform was possible unless the supremacy of a general council was fully recognized that certain questions could be more easily discussed and settled during a vacancy 
that if the reforms were agreed upon a new pope could be pledged to accept them whereas a pope elected at once could prevent all reform party spirit ran extremely high and it seemed almost impossible to effect an agreement sigismund was openly denounced as a heretic while he in turn threatened to imprison the cardinals for contumacy but gradually the balance turned against the reformers some of the leading german bishops were bribed to change their votes the head of the english representatives robert hallam bishop of salisbury died at the critical moment and the influence of henry beaufort the future cardinal induced the english nation to support an immediate election it was agreed that a new pope should be chosen at once and that the council should then proceed to the work of reform but the only preliminary concession that sigismund and his party could obtain was the issue of a decree in october fourteen seventeen that another council should meet within five years a second within seven years and that afterward a council should be regularly held every ten years for the new election it was decided that the twenty-three cardinals should be joined by thirty-three delegates of the council six from each nation the conclave met on november the eighth and three days later their choice fell upon cardinal odo colonna who took the name of martin v even the defeated party could not refrain from sharing in the general enthusiasm at the restoration of unity after forty years of schism but their fears as to the ultimate fate of the cause of reform were fully justified soon after his election martin declared that it was impious to appeal to a council against a papal decision such a declaration as gerson said nullified the acts of the councils of pisa and constance including the election of the pope himself in their indignation the members made a strong appeal to the pope to fulfil the conditions agreed upon before his election but martin had a weapon to hand which had been furnished by the council itself it was the division into nations that had led to the fall of john the twenty third and it was the same division into nations that had ruined the prospects of reform the pope now drew up a few scanty articles of reform which he offered as separate concordance to the french german and english it was a dangerous expedient for a pope to adopt because it seemed to imply the separate existence of national churches but it answered its immediate purpose martin could contend that there was no longer any work for the council to do and he dissolved it in may fourteen eighteen he set out for italy where a difficult task awaited him papal authority in rome had ceased with the flight of john the twenty third in fourteen fourteen sigismund offered the pope a residence in some german city but martin wisely refused the support of his own family the colonnas enabled him to re-enter rome in fourteen twenty one by that time almost all traces of the schism had disappeared gregory the twelfth was dead john the twenty third had recently died in florence benedict the thirteenth still held out in his fortress of pensacola but was impotent in his isolation End of section thirty two